0: Coast to coast, nonstop action. This is the premier source for National Hockey League news. Scores, highlights, and the Anaheim Ducks. It's time to light the lamp with Alexis Downey. Welcome to light the lamp here on DuckStream from the Paul Korea studio. I am your host, Alexis Downey. Happy Monday. It's a new week and it's the final one of the month for the month of March. The weekend really went by so quickly, but I think a big part of that was because the Ducks played on Saturday night. So now the team has their final game in this homestand tonight, that being Monday against the Colorado Avalanche. Game eight of eight. We've had eight games through 16 days. That's a lot of hockey. And it's kind of been a tough go throughout these games. A 1-5-1 and record to this game, this final one for this homestand. The only win coming against the Columbus Blue Jackets in this and an overtime loss to the Nashville Predators. Just like I said, a tough stretch of hockey for these players, especially mentally at this point in the season. You're so close to the end of the tunnel and not getting the results on the ice. And there has been some growth, though, out of some of the younger guys as we look ahead but still very difficult as you end your season. So, the Ducks fell on Saturday night 6 to 3 to the St. Louis Blues in their 7:30 p.m. puck drop game, and it was the final Saturday home game for the season. So, let's get to AD's takeaways. Honestly, I don't have a whole lot of positives from this game, but there were a few. So, the Ducks capitalized again on the power play as a part of the first goal of the game in this one. And it was once again, that second power play unit that has been having success this time though, it was not Frank Vitrano who was out in this game because he welcomed his new baby girl, Ophelia with his wife, Rebecca, congratulations to the Petranos. So exciting for them. And instead it was Troy Terry who netted the power play goal on that second unit. Another goal in this first period came from Nikita Nesterenko, only his third NHL game, and he netted his first career NHL goal. Really exciting for him, and I know he had his dad in attendance for the game as well. Certainly a ninth that he will not forget, and it was off a great pass from Mason McTavish. Right after Nesterenko put it in the back of the net, he immediately pointed to MacT, and you could see how happy he was on that play. In addition, Nastarenko got a little bit of time playing on the power play unit in the end of the third period, so continuing to get some more experience. Now, overall, this game was very fast paced. St. Louis using their speed and taking advantage of turnovers and playing well in the neutral zone. That was the difference maker. The Ducks forecheck could just not get in on much in this game. And it was a challenge for the group overall, I felt like, to stay engaged. I mean, they let up six goals as a part of this game, and you could tell that they were pretty frustrated after it. And like I said previously, eight games in 16 days is a lot for a team. John Gibson made 30 saves on 36 shots, and some of them were outstanding as per usual. But let's back it up and look at the NHL as a whole from over the weekend, beginning, of course, with our Ducks and St. Louis Blues game, because I mentioned it, we have to talk about Nikita Nestorenko's first NHL goal, just such a special moment. So Steve Carroll has the call of his goal. Back behind the goal,
1: Krug is there for St. Louis to try and loft it out. Puck to flex off an Anaheim stick, held in. McTavish front of the net, they score! And that's the newcomer who gets the goal. A big one, a memorable one for Nestoreko. Gets mobbed by his teammates. He puts Anaheim up to one, and congratulations. go to order for Nikita Nesterenko.
0: The New Jersey Devils had a 5-3 win on Saturday and clinched their first playoff berth since 2018 when they defeated the Ottawa Senators. It also marked the team's 100th point mark in franchise record-setting pace this season and Jack Hughes netted his 40th goal of the season on the power play unassisted in the first period. New Jersey is second in the Metropolitan behind the other clinched Carolina Hurricanes who have 103 points. Listen to the call of Jack Hughes' goal from Matt Laughlin.
1: Near side he has it along the left wing wall cross ice pass is picked off and Stutzla has it for Ottawa. Up ahead for Hamannick, too far. And it's picked up by Jack Hughes. Devils across the line. Hughes in front with a shot. Scores! Brilliance! Jack Hughes ties it in.
0: Pucks were plentiful on Sunday between the LA Kings and St. Louis Blues game when LA had a big seven to six win. Nine different Kings players had points in this game and the Kings had 31 shots on goal and netted four power play goals on five chances. Now, Drew Doughty netted goal seven for LA on the power play from the top, a hard slap shot. And the Kings now have a 12-game point streak, which is also a franchise record. The team has 96 points, which is good for second in the Pacific Division to this point. Nick Nixon has the call of Dowdy's goal in the third period. And off the draw, the puck sent up the boards, not out, held in, Doughty a shot, he scores! Make that four for four with shots on the power play tonight. I don't know if that was tipped. I think it went in directly. A lot of traffic. Drew Doughty, red hot. Five goals in his last six games. The Kings, four of four on the power play. They're up 7-5. And the last game to look at the Boston Bruins, keeping their win streak going on Sunday with a 4-3 shootout win against the Carolina Hurricanes. And David Pasternak netted his 50th goal of the season in addition to his 600th career point. His goal came in the first period as a part of the first of the game off a really nice pass from Charlie McAvoy. He is also the first Bruin with 50 goals since Cam Neely had that in 1993 94. And this was Boston's franchise record setting. 27th road win of the year. They have 119 points, leading the NHL really by a mile all season. It's been here the call of the 50th goal from Posternock by Judd Surratt.
1: He couldn't get it out, held in by Carolina just off the bench. Is Slavin left circle, centered. And the Bruins Got put it. a wrestling batch in the slot. And here's Posternock up the right side into the right circle, looking for 50. Walks in, he scores. 50 goals for David Pasternak. Listen to the Bruins fans celebrating here in Raleigh. He becomes only the sixth Bruin all time and the first since Cam
0: Neely to hit that magical mark. Bruins won Hurricanes nothing. Now, the Ducks are facing the Colorado Avalanche for the second time this season and the first of two meetings in the span of two weeks. So to dive into the season that Colorado has had, the defending Stanley Cup champions, we welcome on Connor McGehee today. Connor shared how the Avs have persevered through injuries this season and the success that Miko Rantanen has had all year and how he's expecting the team to match up with the Ducks on Monday night. Take a listen. Joining Light the Lamp now is the voice of the Colorado Avalanche on Altitude Sports Radio, Connor McGahey. Connor, thank you so much for joining us today on DuckStream. How are you doing?
1: I'm well, Alexis. How are you?
0: I'm good. Thank you so much for asking. Uh, And I know you guys are coming off a back-to-back with the Sunday night game in Arizona, and the team this year has had a lot of back-to-backs in looking at their schedule. So how have they been able to manage those?
1: It's interesting, I mean, and everybody has to deal with them, mm-hmm. whether it's regionally, situationally. Um, the Avalanche went through a stretch where they played six straight games, and all all six games were a home-and-home home back-to-back, not just two on the road where you're, you're playing at L.A. or Anaheim or at New York, New Jersey, or one of those. All of them involved travel from your place to a visiting rink or vice versa. And, and the Avalanche managed to... Uh, get points in all of them and wins in five of six. So mm-hmm. um, I just think that they've adopted uh, sort of an attitude. And this went back to last year where I said, Hey, circumstantially, you can't complain about it. You just got to go out there and win. And, mm-hmm. and frankly, they've been a better road team almost than a, than a, than a team playing at home. And uh, that was, one of the stories through the Stanley Cup playoffs last year where it took till game three of the Stanley Cup final for them to lose a game on the road in the playoffs. <laughs> um, but I, I just think that this sort of uh, leadership attitude from last year into this year said, hey, it doesn't matter when, doesn't matter how. We just had to go out there and perform. And that's why uh, with all of these back to backs and whether it be home and away or two on the road to. Uh, It doesn't seem to, uh, it doesn't seem to face them. Like Jared Bednar said yesterday, he said to me, a rank is a rank. And I think that Mm -hmm. attitude filters down to everybody else.
0: Well, how is it for you coming out to Honda center here in Anaheim?
1: Well, we're about to get real familiar with it because we'll be back here (laughs) next week. Right. uh, (laughs) But, uh, but no, it's uh, it's always a treat to come out here. I saw this big, bright thing in the sky today that's called the sun,
0: apparently. <laughs> hey, People I think Denver gets the it. sun sometimes.
1: <laughs> yeah, but for whatever reason, I think like you guys, and I was talking to our good friend, John Ollers about how it, it has been uh, not your typical Southern California winter here. Mm-hmm. And uh, ours has been one of the coldest uh, winters on record as well mm-hmm. in uh in Denver, Colorado, a place that touts 300 days of sunshine. Uh, <laughs> that hasn't exactly come to fruition. But, no, it's, uh, it's always a treat to, uh, to come here to Honda Center. And like I said, um, yeah, we'll be very familiar with it uh, over the next, you know, 13 days or so. But the Ducks are one of the two teams in the Western Conference that the Avalanche have not beaten yet, the Kings being the other one. So mm-hmm. uh, that's why uh, this game versus Anaheim will be fascinating
0: yeah, when you look at that last meeting between the Ducks and Avalanche, uh, Anaheim getting that five to three win in Denver. But how do you foresee this game playing out tonight, especially on the back end of a back-to-back?
1: Yeah, sometimes you never know. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the the flip side of that coin is that the ducks have been at home for eight straight. Mm-hmm. and that's a long time to be anywhere. And one, five, and one uh, so far, uh, for Anaheim, but uh, but look, they can they can look back at what happened uh, the last time, the only time these two teams met. I mean, Colorado had a three one lead mm-hmm. and uh, and managed to 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 sort of skate that away, and and Anaheim fought back. Frank Ritrano had one of the games uh, of his life. Mason McTavish, uh, I feel like that was one of the games where he started to announce uh, his intentions for the Calder Trophy um because for a long time it was it was Maddie Baneers um who was the leader in the clubhouse and right. McTavish really has stepped up now second in rookie points with 42 fifth in goals with 16 26 is third for assists tied for the most power play goals with six um and his only game winning goal the entire season was versus the Avalanche in Denver <laughs> um So it's uh, that game was interesting. And and one of the games that I think the Dallas-Eakins and company could point to and say, hey, you can beat the defending Stanley Cup champions on their ice. Really, you can do anything.
0: Mm hmm. Well, when you look at your Avalanche team this season, they've had a lot of injuries and struggled through that this year, but in recent games and in the past month really seeming to come together, um 8 and 2 in their last 10 games. I mean, in what ways has the group been able to gel so well?
1: I, I it's it's interesting because you look at the it wasn't just the number of players out. Mm-hmm. I mean, now they've they've used 43 players the entire season, which is by far a an avalanche record um, when it comes to uh, to goalies. They're not exactly Vegas, but but very close. Um, but I, I just think that you're missing Landis God. You're missing Lekinen, you You were missing three of your top six defensemen for a good amount of time. Um, but attitude wise, system wise, Jared Bednar gets everybody to buy in. And that's why whether it's Alex Galchenyuk you've got a call up and we saw the vast uh, improvement in his game uh, and, and mainly defensively this this is this is the difference because Jared Bednar wants his his forwards especially to to almost put defense first which sounds counterintuitive but if you defend well if you're hard to play against then you're going to get the puck back and Colorado is a puck possession team mm-hmm. and so you take players like Alex Galchenyuk Dennis Mulgan, who people look at his uh, diminutive stature, and they don't think that he would be a threat defensively when it comes to forwards. But, he, but he's turned into that since coming over from the Toronto Maple Leafs in the trade. And I just think that no matter who it is up and down the lineup, whether it's Logan O'Connor or whether it's Miko Ranton, and everybody knows that they need to play the same way. And I think that's how, uh, along with great goaltending from Alexander Georgiev, um, mainly with Pavel Francouz being out for over a month now, that the Avalanche are in a position tonight to take over first spot in the central division. If Minnesota loses to Seattle and Colorado beats the Ducks. Um, so it's something that a lot of people didn't think was possible mm-hmm. um, just because of the injury situation. But again, when you have Miko Rantman and Nathan McKinnon and well, Kel McCarr in the lineup for most of the nights, then then those are three really some of the biggest game changers in the national hockey league. And, When those are three of your pillars, I I think anything, um, anything can be accomplished.
0: How has that leadership group been able to carry this team towards that top spot in the Central Division? Have they had a message to the group or how have they been able to do that so far?
1: Well, I I just think they, they don't have to say much. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of it is, is known and they've learned some hard lessons throughout the season with games that. Uh, have been tossed away, I think, back to a 3-2 loss in regulation in Chicago back in January. And um, there's there's never a pointing finger. It's always – it starts with me. I mean, Cale McCarr almost hysterically said two weeks ago after he came back from injury, the avalanche lost, and he said, well, maybe I'm the problem because right was 11-2-1 without Gail McCarr in the lineup, which is preposterous <laughs> because, well, it's Kale McCarr, the reigning mm-hmm. North Trophy. He's got a Calder's Stanley Cup, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, the trophy case is very full there and is one of the most dynamic players we've seen in the National Hockey League in a long time. But what I do like is the sentiment of, this is my fault, and Nathan McKinnon, I need to be better, Miko Rantanen, that was on me tonight. Mm-hmm. There, the The blame is always at them and not at the group and they know that they're superstars um, for a reason and they're the first tier from the coaching staff that implements how the team is going to play and so that accountability is contagious to everybody else and and everyone's going to have a bad night but the good news is is that there are very few consecutive bad nights and very few consecutive bad periods because this team has Uh, learned to apply the lessons that they have learned um, very, very quickly. And that's why you don't see them go through a ton of streaks where they're losing a ton of games. And I think that look inwards attitude first has benefited the group uh, more than we can show you tangible results uh, this year. But uh, I, I just think that after they lost to Vegas in the second round two seasons ago, that's when it really started. And last year, we saw all those lessons being applied and it ended with hosting the Stanley Cup.
0: You already mentioned it a little bit, but in the net, Alexander Georgiev, just being a steady presence, obviously his first season with the team after Darcy Kemper exited in the offseason. How has that transition been on the back end through that throughout this year?
1: Well, it's been tremendous. Um, Georgiev, and I've said this, to numerous outlets mm-hmm. um, deserved to be a starter in the National Hockey League. And so when uh, Chris McFarland, general manager, Joe Sackett, president of hockey operations, looked around the league at everybody's goaltending situation after Darcy Kemper left to sign a five year deal uh, with the Washington Capitals, they saw the situation in New York and they said, hey, Georgiev was the heir apparent to Henrik Lundqvist. Um, and then they sort of fell into Igor Shosturkin, who may win 372 Vezinas. We're we're not sure. Um, <laughs> but uh, but to acquire Georgiev and and Joe Sakic, giving a call to his his old teammate Chris Drury there in New York and getting that deal done, I think was uh, a, a very uh, astute piece of business that they did. And they talked to their scouts. They talked to their goaltending coaches and, and they, they knew that Georgiev was a true number one and he's turned out to be that way. And you combined his ability with a style of play in front of him that is, again, based on possession, but also very difficult to play against. It's now three years in a row now that an avalanche netminder has had at least five shutouts. Philip Grubauer two seasons ago, Darcy Kemper last year, and now Georgiev second in the league with five shutouts this season, so that's a combination of goaltender ability, but also defensive play uh, in front of that goaltender. And when you have a top six defense of core with Kale McCarr, Devon Taves, Bo Byram, Sam Girard, Eric Johnson, and Josh Manson, when everybody is healthy, uh, and they're only missing one now, in Josh Manson after uh, that rash of injuries sort of hit the blue line. But when when you're talking about not only those six defensemen, but Defensive-minded forwards like Arturi Lekkinen and Valerian Achushkin. Um, playing with Nathan McKinnon, who's found another gear when it comes to his defensive game this year, that all sort of equates to excellent goaltending. And Georgiev he's, he's made the big save when he's required to make the big save. And fortunately, he hasn't had to do a ton of that. And the Avalanche won the Cup last year without Darcy Kemper having to do with that either. But uh, I I have said really since day one that this, no offense to Darcy Kemper, but talent-wise, attitude-wise, not that Darcy Kemper had a bad attitude, but it's a true number one, Mm -hmm. and Georgiev is, is an upgrade in that for the ads.
0: On the offensive end this year obviously Nathan McKinnon leading the team in points but Miko Rantanen has not so quietly led the team in goals <laughs> just too shy of 50 right now and the organization hasn't yeah. seen a 50 goal scorer in a number of years uh, how has he continued to play at such an elite level this year
1: Yeah I mean and this is I mean a 10th overall pick in 2015 and a player who actually Needed a little bit of time down in the AHL at that time with the affiliate in San Antonio, the Rampage. Um, But he has come up and turned into one of the most threatening uh, forwards and definitely to me the best power forward in the National Hockey League. Uh, 48 goals, 39 assists, 87 points in 72 games uh has scored first more than anybody else in the NHL this year, leads the league at even strength goals. Mm-hmm. Um so he's doing that five on five, which is always a big emphasis for Jared Bednar. Uh he he wants everybody to excel five on five and if you get a bonus from the power play that's a good thing. But Rantanen has thirty seven of his forty eight goals uh coming even strength which is a good sign of where his overall game is and um between him and McKinnon and they were powering their own lines for a long time there. But when the avalanche needed, uh, at, a, at pretty much out of necessity had had forwards drop out or Terry injury sort of forced the, the two of them back together. I mean, that's, that's multiple points tonight with yesterday being the exception versus the Arizona coyotes. But the night before that, uh, Nathan McKinnon, just three casual points. You throw Kale McCarr into that situation. But mm-hmm. Nico Rantanen uh, has had a knack for the net. And no one's going to track down Conor McDavid, who now has 60 goals. This is not going to happen. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it'll be a race for the silver medal, I think, <laughs> with, uh, with Pasternak and Mikko Rantanen. He has been, uh, to me, should be a Hart Trophy candidate because he has kept his team afloat uh, through the injuries that were mm-hmm. aforementioned
0: here. Connor McGahee, thank you so much for joining us on DuckStream today, and we'll see you tonight at the game.
1: Can't wait, Alexis. Thank you.
0: Now it's time for my final quack for this episode, where I share my last thoughts before the end of the show. If you guys have not caught it yet, we have a brand new Anaheim Rising Prospect Report series that we've been doing for the last couple weeks looking at some of the young, talented prospects that are a part of our Anaheim Ducks organization. Make sure to check that out on our website as well as our social media. Tristan Luno was the latest prospect to be highlighted as a part of that. Thank you for listening to Light the Lamp. I am Alexis Downey. Come back again next time for more Hockey Talk on Duckstream. This is an Anaheim Ducks original production on Duckstream.